Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Our Voice podcast. Uh, before we get into the main show, I have a uh, interview to bring you with Jeffrey Ginter. I'm sure you've seen the video of the man standing up to Republican uh, Representative Tom MacArthur at a town hall. Uh, if you haven't, I'm going to play the audio from that. So if you've seen that, you can skip ahead about 10 minutes to get to my interview with Jeff. We talk about we talk for about 40 minutes. It's a great conversation. We talk a lot about healthcare and real people running for Congress uh, because that seems to be the movement right now, and that's what we need: is real people representing us in the House of Representatives. So, uh, again, if you've seen his confrontation of Representative McCarthy, you could skip ahead about ten minutes. If not, uh, hang around and check it out and. After that interview, we will get into the main show. So again, thank you for joining us, and stay tuned. Hi. I'm Jeff. I'm a constituent. I'm from Pine Beach. In March, you told us that you, you practically broke your arm patting yourself on the back for not voting in January to just eliminate the ACA. You told us that that was because you didn't think that health care could be solved in a couple of months. It's too complicated. It took you three weeks. Three weeks to go from it's too complicated and it can't be done quickly to I've got a huge pile of excrement here that is a horrible mess of a bill that 17% of the population wanted, that the CBO said was going to kick 24 million people off of health insurance. Three weeks, Congressman. Three weeks, Tommy boy. That's all it took for you to go from I'm not going to do it that quickly to I've got a yes vote in my pocket and I'm going to use it. They took that vote off the bill because they knew that it wasn't going to pass. I thought, thank God. Thank God. We're not going to have to do that. Took a couple of days, a couple of more days, and then suddenly we got the MacArthur Amendment. Congratulations. You're in history now. You're in the national spotlight. That's one thing I want to talk about, the national spotlight. You keep talking about all the constituents that you have to adhere to. And over in this county, they believe one thing. And over in this county, they believe another thing. And you're trying to thread that needle. Well, you haven't threaded it at all. Everyone that is going to be losing from this, you have not addressed. You have not addressed it properly. You have not addressed it fully. You have ignored us. I have called your office incessantly, and I get people who don't know what's going on. I don't get any return phone calls. If I ever fax or email, I get a form letter. 
that informs me about what I contacted you about and why you can't do anything about it because it's still in committee. You look forward to taking my opinions into consideration. You have not taken my opinions into consideration. Too complicated. It's not going to get done in months. Three weeks. I don't what's understand. Your, what's your question? Oh, we haven't even begun. I'm not done with you yet. I got the mic, and I'm not going anywhere. Turn off the power. I got a very loud voice. This ain't over yet. My wife was diagnosed with cancer when she was 40 years old. She beat it, but every day, every day, she lives with it. She thinks about it. Every pain, every new something going on somewhere, is it coming back? Is this cancer? Do I have it again? Is it going to kill me this time? Is it going to take me away from my children? Speaking of which, my children both have pre-existing conditions from birth. One cardiac, one thyroid. You have been the single greatest threat to my family in the entire world. You are the reason I stay up at night. You are the reason that I can't sleep. What happens if I lose my job? I'm very fortunate, sir. I have a really good job, and I have really good health insurance, and we can all be have peace of mind. But now my wife, who every day is wondering if she's gonna get cancer, is it happening now? Well, it didn't happen now, but what about now? Now also has to contend with, what if my husband loses his job? If I lose my job, we can't afford COBRA. We can't afford to get private insurance. We get it from my employer. If I lose it, it's gone. If I lose my job on a Monday, if I'm lucky enough to find a job on a Tuesday, which never happens, they will not have insurance ready for me. I will not be eligible for three to six months. If I lapse my coverage within 63 days, Suddenly, I'm in a high-risk pool. My pre-existing conditions, which I don't give a shit about, come after me. Come after me, I don't care. But you came after my... You came after my wife. You came after my kids. I have sympathy for your mother. I have sympathy for your daughter. But you did not learn the lessons they were trying to teach you. Because this is what you did to us. In this district, you do not listen, but your actions affect the entire country. There is no one in this country that your actions are not going to affect. So everyone's voice is important. And when 17% of the population said, don't do it, you did it. This man is correct when he said that you brought it back from death. Ryan said it's dead. Trump said it's dead. And you said, nope. I got a better idea. Last time in Waretown, you told us that you went to Congress to fix problems, that you didn't want to decorate a chair, that you didn't want to choose between being an obstructionist and I want to get something done. That was the keenness of your intellect that you only had two choices in front of you. Don't be an obstructionist or make something better. 
Well, there was a horrible bill available to you from a horrible group of people who believe that we don't deserve health insurance. They have said it on TV, on camera. Well, then you're not paying attention. And that's your responsibility. They said it. They said that if we get sick, it's our fault. These are the people that are in your party that you're working with. These are the people that came up with a plan that's going to kill millions of people. The CBO scored 24 million people off of health insurance, and they called that choice. Like we're choosing not to have health insurance if we can't afford it. That is insulting. That is detrimental to the mental health of us as a nation. But all of this, all of it, totally misses the point. Healthcare is not a good. You do not buy health insurance the same way you buy a car, the same way you buy a house. Those are already complicated things to do. You got to know about cars, you got to know about houses at least a little bit, but there are reasonable ways to be educated on those things and make reasonable choices. I work in healthcare, sir. It is complicated. The only one that doesn't believe that it's complicated is an orange-haired buffoon sitting in the White House. And you're working with him to take something that he doesn't understand, that he won't be responsible for, because he's going to be fine. You're working with him, you're working with Ryan, you're working with people that don't care about us. If you want to make something better, you could have made the ACA better directly. You could have made sure that all the funding that you're saying that we need right now, just put it in there. Introduce a bill. Show me what you're made of. Show me that you know what's going on, that you can actually do something instead of siding with people that clearly, by the virtue of their own words, do not care. They want their money back. That's their version of compassion. But the point is, is that healthcare is not like buying anything else. You cannot expect people to be good consumers of healthcare. Another wonderful talking point. Thank God for the GOP for giving us that one. We need to be better consumers of healthcare. You're supposed to be vetting doctors and vetting hospitals and knowing what an MRI costs and knowing what a CT scan costs. And if I need a cardiac catheterization, how much does that cost? And is the cost different if I have this doctor or this doctor? It's completely immoral. And this is the point, Congressman. This is the point. Because health insurance as a for-profit business is immoral. When I am drowning, and you insist that I pay before you will save me, that is immoral, sir. Completely. You have no legs to stand on. You want to make money off of me. If you're in insurance, you want money off of me. And the reason that it's not going to go to single payer is not because you don't believe it. It's because you know that the insurance companies have a powerful lobby and they would decimate you. Donald Trump has woken us up. 30, 40 years. 
and we have been slowly going to sleep. Just watch your reality TV. It's American Idol at 8 o'clock. That's what's important. That's what they want. No more. You came from my... You came from my wife. I will not forgive. I will not forget. I don't want to hear your response. I'm not interested. I've heard it already. I heard it in Weartown. I've been watching you on TV, and I read the bill that you sponsored. I read the one that you were willing to say yes to. I know exactly what's going on, Congressman. I'm not an idiot. I see it. Everyone here knows what's going on. Everyone in the country knows what's going on. You owe it to everyone. Your fundamental principle is flawed. I don't have any choice with an insurance company. I have no value to an insurance company. I can't do anything to their CEO. I can't do anything to their employees. Nothing. I can argue till I'm blue in the face. But a single payer run by the government? Oh, yeah, it's got problems. But it's also got elections. And you're going to find that out in 2018. Yeah. So done, Tommy boy. That's it. That's it. Okay, so joining me on the podcast today, uh, Town Hall superhero Jeff Jinter. He's a uh, medical assistant. Uh, you, I'm sure you've seen him in the uh, now viral YouTube video where he confronts Representative Tom MacArthur at a town hall uh, over healthcare. Um, Jeff, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So, uh, you know, you, of course, everyone's seen the video by now of you confronting uh, Rep. MacArthur. Uh, did you plan all of the stuff that you wanted to say to him out beforehand or did that all just kind of flow off the top of your head? Cause it seemed like you were just, were really riffing on him after a while. Just, it's not like I hadn't been thinking about what I was angry about. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're asking, did I write it? Did I plan it? No. Had I been thinking about, you know, you fantasize about the things you would say if, you know, to that end, I think about it a lot. I still think about it when I think about the fact that it's still it's still past the house. God only knows what's going to happen from here, uh, but it still occupies a lot of my thought process. Mm -hmm. So I didn't write it, but I was thinking a lot about it, and uh, but I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know how I was going to start. Uh, and I certainly didn't say everything that I wanted to say. Because <laughs> uh, there's so much more to it. You can't just simply talk about healthcare if you're not going to be willing to talk about poverty and why we have poverty as a matter of policy. If you're not going to be willing to talk about the food supply in this country and the poison that they keep feeding us, the sugar and the salt and the fats turning regular food into crack. And we subsidize that. The government subsidizes all that. You have to have these things and more are all interconnected. You know, so when Republicans get up and say that it's our fault if we're fat and sick, my reply to them is, you made us that way, dude. That's the way you like us. You like us when we're overweight and diabetic and high blood pressure and half dead as we walk through life, a corpse before we're even in the ground because we'll never stand up 
We'll never rise up. We will never oppose you. We'll never take the time to figure out what's going on because we're looking for our next hit, you know, in a Twinkie. Mm -hmm. But you made it addictive. You made it addictive and you did so knowingly. But it's supposed to be our fault. Yeah. So a lot of things to unravel. It's not just the immorality of a for-profit healthcare model, which is unbelievable. Uh, but it's also the reasons that we uh, are sick, that are immoral, you know, that are unconscionable. Uh, and they have created and they want to foist that responsibility on, on us. And you know what? We are to blame. Not for the system, but for allowing the system to agree to happen in the first place. If we had stood up from day one, you know, as they started to dismantle the New Deal, as they started to dismantle unions, as they started to start taking more and more and more of what they feel is theirs, their entitlement, their greed is the largest entitlement program in the nation. And yet they hate entitlements. If we had stood up from day one to tell them, no, you can't do this. It is immoral. You say that religion is the most important thing. You won't vote for anyone if they don't pray to the God that you pray to. Well, my God is love. And you are in violation of my God. You cleave to that Bible every day you go to church and you parse it and you will mince words and you will split hairs any way you can to justify your greed. And I have no more patience for you. And of all the people in this world, I am amongst the most guilty because I fell into it. I just wanted a quiet life. I just wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do and not have to get involved. I put my faith in other people. And that has led us here. Mm -hmm. So I can't do that anymore. So, no, I didn't plan what I was going to say to Tom MacArthur. I just got up, collected myself, opened my mouth, and... It all just spilled out. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you work in the medical field. Uh, I yeah. also work in the medical field. I, I work in, uh, you know, in the pharmacy. Um, huh? So I just wanted to thank you, you know, for speaking up because I feel like a lot. We know more than even just the average citizen how yes. you know messed up the health how the for profit healthcare system is. It's hard for us to navigate it. Yeah. They want no, absolutely. To navigate it. Yeah, I, I can't figure it out when people are like, hey, help me uh, sign up for, uh, you know, prescription insurance or medical insurance. I, it's like it's a nightmare for even us who, you know, deal yeah, with it every day. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that a system that doesn't provide coverage for everybody is immoral and that healthcare shouldn't be treated as a good. Um, why do you think that there's such a reluctance in Washington on both sides of the aisle uh, for single-payer health care when polls show that 60% of the American people support it. It's the most popular health care system in the world, and every other major country on earth has it. Because they want their money back. You know, one of the first things we have to do before we really can get, I mean, I truly believe we can get single-payer done because, as you say, more people in this country want it then don't. Mm -hmm. If we stand up, if we stand up and say, no, no more, this is what we want, this is what we're going to have, and you're going to get it for us, 
or you're going home. If we do that, then we got a shot, a good shot. But only if we do that, because they won't. Mm -hmm. So we have to do it. So I think we have a good shot at that, regardless of what, of what happens. But beyond that, everything else we care about, the environment, which we don't have time to mess around with, climate change is real, and the clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. The fat lady is gearing up, and she's going on, man. He's going on soon. So, but all these things, you know, won't really get done. We will have to work overtime and consistently until we're in our graves if we can't get this one thing done. Yeah. Campaign finance reform. It needs to be illegal, absolutely illegal. For any one citizen to give so much as $5 to a campaign or to a candidate, no more commercials from special interests, no more super PACs, no more money of any kind. The federal government or the state government, if it's a state-run election, you set your limits. It is tax-funded. We pay for it because if we don't pay for it, we're going to pay for it on the other end. So Absolutely. we pay for it. You set the message. You want to be, you congressman, you senator, you president, you want to be able to sell us your message. We'll give you airtime. The airwaves belong to us. We'll give it to you. X amount of time per hour, per day, starting at a reasonable time. There's going to be no more year-long campaigns. I'm sorry. You're done with that shit. Mm -hmm. Can I say shit? Yeah, I just say whatever you want. <laughs> you know, so we got to get that done. Citizens United is an abomination, and mm -hmm. I do not use hyperbole when I say that. A corporation is not and cannot be a person in any way, shape, or form. It is, again, I use this word a lot, it's immoral. A corporation by itself is not a person. How do I know this? A corporation has no morality. A corporation has no personality. A corporation has no empathy. It cannot have these things. Ergo, it cannot be human. Therefore, it cannot organize and contribute. Because if we subscribe, as I do, to the one citizen, one vote, if we have free speech, they must be equal. So the Koch brothers, if money is speech, can't happen. Because the Koch brothers, therefore, have more speech than I do. Mm-hmm. And if it's one citizen, one vote, no one can have more speech than I do, than you do, than my neighbors do, than anyone does. We are equal. And we express our displeasure by making proper redresses of the government and at the voting booth. Absolutely. That's what we do. We get that done, then we save our democracy. Because then, and only then, will we have candidates that we can believe in, because we'll have an outside possibility a chance that they will actually believe what they say. Mm -hmm. And that gives us the possibility of believing that they believe it. So when I vote for this candidate, I say, I believe in him. I, I know what he's planning on doing. I know what he stands for, or she. So if we get that done, everything else is possible. If we don't get that done, everything else is up in the air and questionable, and the odds are so stacked against us, we may as well all go back to sleep. Yeah. 
Absolutely agree. And that's like our number one thing that we always kind of try to fight for, you know, with Sam and our organization. Because I think that's the domino that, you know, knocks down all the other things that we're trying to accomplish. Um, but why they don't want single payer. That's why they're not going to do it, because they have their power structures. They have their money. Yeah. That's what they want. You know, and I really only mean this as a group. I'm not trying to lump every representative and every senator and every president into this group. But the higher up in power you go, the more likely it is that you are compromised in some fashion. Absolutely. It's just inevitable the way the system works right now. So we have to create a new system. We have to create a system that we can actually trust and believe in. I'm not going to trust you just because you're a carbon-based life form walking on two legs. Those are the two reasons I don't trust you. <laughs> you know, yeah. So give me something to believe in. Because the way the system runs right now, I can't. I've seen too much. I know too much. You're either full of shit or you're so potentially full of shit that you may as well be. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, you mentioned in your response to uh, MacArthur that he brought Trump care back from the dead. Yes. Uh, now, I know what you mean by that, but just for people listening who might not understand how instrumental he was in this passing the House, explain what his amendment was and what, what he did to, to bring this thing back to life. Well, Paul Ryan, I mean, we call it Trump care. It's Ryan. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's Ryan care. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm all for hanging it on Trump's head until such time as that head is rolled, and then we're going to put it back where it belongs. <laughs> uh, but Ryan Care was really just a means of repealing the ACA, uh, and more specifically, the what, what the Republicans and the power structures that be what they were offended by was this concept of taxation. They didn't like the fact that they had to pay for it. They don't like paying for things that they don't want to pay for. That's not going to benefit them. They understand the cost of something, but they understand the value of none of it. They don't understand the value of a society that takes care of one another. They don't understand the benefits that that reaps if you create opportunity from the ground up, not from the top down, from the ground up. If, especially if we're living in a consumer-based society, you want people to have enough money to, you know, consume. Uh, so from the ground up is where it really comes from. But mm -hmm. that means that they must give up more of their money to be able to do that. And they're fundamentally offended by that. And I'm fundamentally offended by their offense. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so what this bill was meant to do was not to provide health care. They don't really care if you have access to health care. They don't care if it's expensive. They don't care about any of it. They care that they had to take a huge tax hike in 2008 to make the ACA. Uh, and they want that money back and more if they can get it. And they will if we sit down and do nothing. Uh, so that's what this bill was for. Uh, but even on its most basic surface, it's so transparently horrible. It's the one good thing about having Trump right now is that we've given up on the idea of civility. We've given up on the idea of even trying to pretend that we give a shit about things. We could almost call things exactly what they are. Uh, so this bill was written in the most cynical of manners, you know, so transparently horrible for everyone except for the ultra rich. Uh, so it was a huge tax cut and it wasn't providing much of any health care. When the CBO scored it, 
24 million people are going to be pushed off healthcare. You know, and you know, Ryan is saying that well, most of those people will be off healthcare because they'll choose not to. They won't want to buy it, uh, which is horseshit. They will choose not to buy it. That's true, but they will choose not to buy it because it's too goddamn expensive. Yeah. Home, clothes, food, healthcare. The way they have it right now, can't have all four at once. So you got to make choices. Healthcare is something I need one day, but I need clothes, shelter, and food now. So I'll choose those, and healthcare will be the easy choice to let go. Yeah. You know, no one wants healthcare. No one wants to pay insurance. But that's only because you're not needing your insurance right now. When you need it, mm -hmm. you're sure as shit going to be happy that you have it. So one day you will be in a car accident. You will be, you know, in a hospital. You will be in a situation where you have no insurance and the person that would normally have to pay in their car insurance, maybe it's a hit and run. You can't get their insurance. You're going to need something or you're going to be on the hook for all of it. <laughs> and that's like kind of the fallacy of Paul Ryan's argument. He's, you know, he, he, he likes to try and he knows it's bullshit, but he, he does it anyway. He, but he'll say it. and he'll say like. Oh, well, why should, uh, you know, a 60-year-old man have to pay for a 27-year-old woman's maternal care? Because that's how insurance works. Like, that's yeah, the healthy that's people exactly pay for the sick people. That's how the system. Yeah. You know, you pay for parks. You pay for roads. You, I pay for congressman's salary. I don't want to. I pay for tanks and I pay for bombs. I help pay for the mother of all bombs. Yep. You're not going to find something more offensive to me personally than that. And my tax dollars, my money went to that. Mm -hmm. And if I have no choice about that, if we have to agree that we're going to have defense and that's how we're going to spend it and drop the bomb, uh, then you're going to pay for health care, pal. Because yeah. you know, that's the way it works. Uh, but that's, where we, that's what it was. You know, and it was so transparent. It was wildly unpopular right from the get-go. Um, and so they backed off. You know, in the entire New Jersey delegation, only one person said he was going to vote for it, and that was MacArthur. You know, because MacArthur decided he didn't want to decorate a chair. These are his words, the words he uses all the time. I don't want to, I did not go to Congress to decorate a chair. No, he went to Congress Great. to line his pockets. Great. He went, yeah, essentially. <laughs> no one goes to Congress to decorate a chair. They all go with an agenda. The question is, what is that agenda? What do you want to do? What do you believe in? Mm -hmm. MacArthur believes in insurance, and he believes in more tax breaks for the wealthy because, you know, he works in insurance, and he's really, really wealthy. <laughs> go figure. Yeah. You know? So it was dead. They could not get the votes because the conservative wing and the moderate wing of the Republican Party could not come together. For the conservatives, this horrible, heinous bill was not horrible and heinous enough. <laughs> you know, and for the moderates, you know, they've got to be able to speak to their base. They've got to be able to speak to their constituents, and they're not idiots. You know, and MacArthur's not an idiot either. He's got a plan. I just don't know what it is. You know, does he want Menendez's seat? I don't know. You know, but he's not going to get it. As far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. uh, so but you know the moderates, they read the writing on the wall. This isn't going to pass. You know you're either going to have to make more concessions and make it a little bit more like the ACA, a little bit more like Obamacare, or we can't vote for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so they couldn't get the votes. 
So Ryan pulled it from the docket, not going to vote for it. And it was a huge slap in the face to Trump uh, and a well-deserved one. So he, you know, like a petulant child said, well, that's it. I'm done. You know, I'm not going to do anything more but, but that. We're moving on to tax reform. And Ryan essentially said the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he did not see a path forward and healthcare was done. And MacArthur must have been sitting in a chair somewhere and realized that it looked a little bit too much like he was decorating something. So he got up and he decided to do something. And his solution, you know, was to make something that was really bad for millions of people and make it even worse for millions upon millions more. And it worked. They were able to pull it through. Yeah. They lost a few of the moderates, but they gained more of the conservatives. And they made it go through. And they, they didn't even wait for the CBO to score it. You know, that's the thing about politicians. You know, whatever is good for them is good. Whatever is bad for them is bad, even if it's the same thing on two different days. Oh, yeah. So if the CBO says something good, hey, the CBO said it was good. You must love the CBO. You know, or if it's bad, oh, you cannot trust the CBO. The CBO does not take everything into account. I don't know why I became an immigrant right then, but apparently. You know, anything to piss off Trump. <laughs> you know. yeah. So he, he brought it back from the dead. You know, he was the one that went to the uh, conservatives and cut a deal. Even his own Moderate Tuesday group. I hate that name. Moderate Tuesday group. It's like a bad Leonard Skinner song. You know. <laughs> Uh, even they did not want him to do that. They were threatening his chairmanship, you know, to the point where he had to go to the conservatives and say, look, I'm, I'm negotiating on my own behalf. You know, yeah. I'm not representing them. So, yeah, he is responsible. It was dead in the water. It may have been resurrected sometime later. Who the hell knows? You know, uh, but, you know, he he. <laughs> He really screwed the pooch. And yeah. Sorry to say, we are the pooch. Yeah. And his amendment, you know, it it it, it was, I, I believe it's the amendment that allows states to exempt themselves from the pre-existing conditions coverage. Yeah. Which That's is, the one. Which is insane. It's like the one thing that they, the one concession they made in the original terrible, you know, Ryan Care, Trump Care bill was that they were going to leave that in. And he further even decimated that to the point where they can opt out the same way that certain states can opt out of the Obamacare uh, Medicaid expansion. Well, what, what, what it actually is, it's a, so there's two things on the table. You know, one allows them to opt out of something mm-hmm. that we need, and the other one allows them simply to charge more. What they opted, you know, gave the states the option, you know, is to uh, opt out of the essential health benefits package. Mm. So the Affordable Care Act mandates that every plan has to cover so many things, including mm-hmm. mental health and maternity and emergency room care and you know hospitalizations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All, a long list of things that I don't understand how it's not a no-brainer. <laughs> you know, what's the point of having health insurance if it's only good for catastrophic health insurance? Yeah. You know, by the time you use catastrophic health insurance even once, you're done and you're going to wind up needing it sooner because you won't be able to afford preventative care. Yeah. Uh, so what they but that of course costs more. If you have to cover more things, it costs more. Uh, and so what they did, 
you know, was say, look, you know, you don't have to have this. You can apply for a waiver. And yes, they do have to show that it's allowing you to bring costs down. Of course, it's going to bring costs down. You don't have to charge as much because you're not giving as much. You know, so if the only requirement is to make sure that you can get this waiver, but you got to show us that you're giving you know, a better health package in costs, you know, to the consumers. So great, I'll be able to buy a premium for a hundred bucks a month. But it's not going to cover much. What's the point? Yeah. You know, why would I give you a hundred bucks if you're not going to give me what I need? I don't have a hundred bucks to just blow off. You know? mm. uh, the second thing is that you know they took away the mandate. You don't have to have health insurance or pay a penalty. What they did, what they did in the uh, amendment is say, fine, there will be no mandate. But you have to have continuous coverage. If you let your coverage lapse after 63 days and you have a pre-existing condition, you'll be put into a high-risk pool. And they say they put several billion dollars to help cover high-risk pools in, in the states. Thing is, we've had high-risk pools in many states, and they are never fully funded. It is a nightmare. So they wind up charging more. Because they don't have the funds to absorb those extra costs, they jack up the rates. It's a wonderful workaround to be able to charge people more money, which is yeah. inevitable. It's going to happen. If you're 30 years old and over, chances are you already have a pre-existing condition. Documented. Documented. And considering so, their yeah. list of pre-existing conditions, I mean, they list some of the most you know banal, minor things as pre-existing conditions. Yeah. You know, for God's sakes, allergies. Yeah. You know, I have a pre-existing condition for allergies. For example, yeah. I'm allergic to bullshit. <laughs> you know? So it's it's just ridiculous. They found a way to really, really screw over tens, if not hundreds, of millions of people. Because you already have your pre-existing conditions. They're already documented. If this thing goes through with that amendment in, once it you know, through the Senate and then through reconciliation and then to the president, uh, you know, you're, you're already screwed. You're yeah. going to lose your, your job eventually. You know, you're going to want to change jobs, you know, but now you won't be able to. You'll be a slave to your job. You will be cowardly in your desire to keep that job because you need to keep your health insurance. Yeah. You won't leave the company because what are you going to do? Even if you leave the company, even if you find a new job and choose to leave your company, that company goddamn better well offer you health insurance right off the top. But that never happens. Well, you always have to they, wait. They, exactly. It's always a wait time. They want to make sure they got you. They want to make sure they put in the time. They're not going to just pay all that money to give you health insurance on day one. They don't give you vacation days that way. They don't have to give you health care that way. Yeah. So it's a way of making everyone an indentured servant. Be a good employee. And by being a good employee means don't rock the boat. They'll fire you. And you won't want that because you won't be able to get your health care. You'll have to go into a high-risk pool. And the question is, will you be able to afford it? Chances are, no. Yeah. And that, and you know, that's the beautiful thing about single payer healthcare is that's the only system that allows you that kind of economic yeah. mobility to change jobs and, you know, yeah. to start your own business. Yeah, sure. Up with your own idea. 
yeah. to be a whistleblower, yeah, you know, to come up with a better idea and improve a company and risk the wrath of your higher ups. You know, they talk about freedom, but the only freedom they care about is their freedom, yeah. their freedom to do what they want unchallenged. Because how dare we? The rest of us, we're lucky if we get scraps. Absolutely. You know, they are Marie Antoinette and we are the peasants. Let us eat cake. <laughs> I'm not saying off with their heads, but certainly out with their jobs. Well, if they don't do something soon, I, we, they might not be able to stop the people from doing that, unfortunately. Well, I can't advocate for that. I don't, I, I, my, like I said, my religion is love. Yeah, yeah. No, I would uh, never condone it either. But I mean, it's 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 the level of income inequality is getting to a point oh, sure. where people are just gonna snap eventually. Well, endangering themselves, absolutely. Yeah. No. Um. So after you asked your question, did anyone try to come over and like throw you out or arrest you or anything like that? Did he did he try to get you rid of you after that? No, I left voluntarily after okay. about another twenty or twenty five minutes. You know, I tried to stick it out, but. You know, when you when you when you've eaten a lot of crap and it's just really making you nauseous, <laughs> you gotta, yeah, I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, but the cops did close in on me. Yeah, I saw in the video they were they were definitely like ready to pounce on you. Oh yeah, uh, I'm 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 assuming you know because I've I've seen the video and I I know that a lot of people liked what they saw, mm -hmm. and I I get that. Um, but it's, it's, it's not the way I think of myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it by any stretch, you know, um, but I prefer love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but my family's in trouble, you know, with these people, with him in particular. Yeah. Um, I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. And we're all, sure. we're really all in trouble. And we're all guilty. We're all guilty. We let this happen. But it's not too late. We can take it back. We can stop it. But only if we have the will. And mm -hmm. we've had a number of openings throughout the last 20, 30 years. You know, Reagan busted up the, uh, the unions. We did not stand up. We did not stand up. We let that happen. You know, God, 9-11. You know, there was a moment where we all came together. You know, but we were told to be afraid. You know, here's a little list, you know, little colors. You know, we got to keep you scared, 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 scared. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, go shopping. <laughs> and don't play certain go. songs on the radio. And, you yeah. Know. And God help you. We went shopping. We did not march in the streets when they did the Patriot Act. We did not rise up as one and say, no, you can't do this. This is still America. And something may have happened, and we may be scared shitless, but we are Americans. We are exceptional. And we can hold two opposing thoughts in our heads at the same time and not lose our minds. And we must, because the stakes have never been higher than they are right now. So we have to. Absolutely. I don't want 
to be doing this interview. I mean, I love, uh, you're great. I love <laughs> but I don't want to be doing this interview. My wife is in the living room right now. I'd rather be on the couch with her. You know, I'd rather be with my kids. I'd rather be living a quiet life. And that's what I was doing for all my mm. life. And we're here now. And we wouldn't be if we hadn't. So, so I'm here. You know, yeah. And I'm fighting in the only way that I know how. Okay. So um, just in closing, you know, there's a really big movement uh, right now on the left to get real people elected into Congress, you know, who will actually serve our needs instead of the donors and lobbyists needs. Have, sure. you, have you given any thought to uh, taking on Representative MacArthur for his seat in 2018? I have received, and I'm not joking, hundreds of emails <laughs> asking me to do that, to do exactly that. Yeah. And from all over the world, mm -hmm. because we're kidding ourselves if we think that representatives and senators only represent their districts. The, the constituency that these people always refer to really falls under two categories. Their actual constituency, which is their donors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the reality of the constituency, which is us. But really, we're the only ones that can do anything about them. That's what we represent. A congressman has to represent their district. They have to be able to represent their voice, you know, and do whatever they can to help their district specifically. But it has to come with an overarching understanding that as you try to listen to the voices of your district, you know, and thread, <laughs> I can't believe I was about to use his quote, thread the needle, but, you know, <laughs> between, but not between the people that agree with you and don't agree with you. It's really about listening to them. And also speaking to them. This is what I believe. And this is what you believe. And we'll find common ground. And there's going to be a time when I'm going to say, I don't believe that, but I will do what you say. And there's a time when you say, well, I don't believe in what you believe in. And this is why. And this is why I'm doing it. Civil rights movement would never have happened, you know, if they had simply listened to the population at large mm -hmm. uh, of the South. But right was right. Wrong was wrong. So by and large, it's a compromise between leadership and following. The people are the leader, and so is the representative. And you got to be able to make that work. And the only way you can make that work is if you realize that you too represent them, all of them. And they represent you. It is a symbiotic relationship. And everyone involved has to get on board with the idea that that symbiotic relationship has ripples effects that go well beyond the borders of your district. They affect the entire state, the entire country, and in some cases, the entire world. So 17% of the population wanted the AHCA of the whole country. And that wasn't good enough for MacArthur to say no. You know, I'm not gonna vote for that. Mm -hmm. You know, the country had spoken. And he said, well, you guys don't really know what you're talking about. I could really use uh, more money for myself and my industry really needs savings. So bye-bye. 
So a lot of people want me to run. A lot of people. It is not the life path I had ever chosen for myself. It is not yeah. anything close to what I had ever thought that I would do. And that is dwarfed by the thousands upon thousands of comments that have been posted. I, I only do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I don't, I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, but thousands of comments just on Facebook alone, you know, and YouTube and what have you saying exactly that. So have I given any thought to it prior to last Wednesday? No, not at all. I would have said, why would anyone vote for me? I'm a med tech. I'm a father and a husband and proud of all three of those things, but that doesn't make a congressman, I would have thought. As it turns out, I, I might be wrong about that. Uh, so I am thinking about it. I'm thinking very seriously about it. But I have no background in politics. So while I would definitely call that strength for what I want to see in politics, someone who's authentic, someone mm -hmm. who believes what they say, someone who cares about the people, uh, you do have to know something about politics to be able to get it done. And I don't have the slightest idea about where to start. So if there are people out there that want me to run, I want to talk with you. If there are people out there that know how to do it, you know, who know how to be campaign managers and know how to win in the New Jersey 3rd District of New Jersey, I want to talk to you because I can't do it on my own. I need a team yeah. of people who know how to do it, who can take my ideas and take my vision and turn it into something that's workable. Um, and then when I go, if, if I were to do that, if I were to win, because the other thing, I need funds to be able to do that. I can't just, I would have to quit my job. I love my job. Mm -hmm. And if I quit my job, I lose my health insurance. My family is at risk. So how do I do that? I don't yeah. know. Does anyone know? If they do, let me know. Uh, but then also, if I were to do it, and if I were to win, then I need to have a team of people with me in Washington, someone who knows how to write legislation and someone who knows how to introduce it and someone who knows how to get things done, you mm -hmm. know, but always following my vision, you know, not compromising. Yeah. Uh, it still takes experience in the room, someone who knows how to get it done. And if there are people like that who believe in me and want me to do it, contact me. I'm been, I would be more than willing to have that conversation because I want my kids to be protected. As much as I want to be here for them, I'm scared beyond belief about what they're going to have in 20 years, you know, when they're essentially on their own, trying to get their own health insurance, trying to breathe a deep breath of fresh air, you know, after we're done with these people who think that climate change is a hoax perpetrated by the, by the Chinese. We don't have time for this. These are childish games with real catastrophic adult consequences. Uh, so if, if there are people out there that believe in me and believe in what I have been speaking about uh, and they want to reach out to me and say, I want you to do it and this is how we can, mm -hmm. uh, then I would encourage them to do that and I would listen. And if I'm convinced that they have a, a path forward, uh, then, yeah, 
No, but until then, you may as well be asking me, you know, have you given any serious thought to going to the moon by way of drilling through to the center of the earth? <laughs> really think you should do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a simple man, and I believe what I believe. And I know the difference between right and wrong and morality and immorality. And that's what I would bring to office, but I've got to bring other people yeah, with me. Absolutely. And I'll take it a step further even because I know brand new Congress uh, provides a lot of those things. They provide training and funds to actually uh, – so anyone who's listening to this, you know, if you nominate Jeff, that'll get them on, that'll get him on their radar. And uh, hopefully they can even reach out to Jeff and, you know, work that all out because I think that would be the – the best kind of group to handle that sort of thing. I, th I think they provide almost everything that you, you mentioned there. So that'd be great if we can get you hooked up with them. If, yeah, if they, if they want it, you know, I'm, I'm willing. Yeah. I'm more than willing. And I have to put it just that way because in honestly, I don't want to Yeah. I really, really, really don't. Uh, but it is that lethargy uh, that has led us where we are. And I cannot be a part of that you know so if that means i'm simply going to be an organizer and a protester and a voice at rallies so be it and if someone wants me to go that much farther and they have a way to do it you know i want to do the most good while i still have life absolutely you know, that's what i want awesome well you know jeff i really appreciate you joining us tonight um you know thanks for speaking out uh and you know we're in the I'm in the New York area, so next time Sam comes out here, maybe we can uh, set something up. We did a sure. yeah, we did a rally last time he was here. So if we do another one of those, I'll definitely uh, give you a call and get you on that. Sounds great. All right, I'd love awesome. Thanks, Jeff. My awesome. pleasure. And I'll talk to you. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, welcome everybody to United Not Silence, the Our Voice podcast. I'm your host for this evening, Anthony Monterulo. I'm the head of video production here at Our Voice. Uh, I'm joined by the den mother of the Our Voice organization, Adrian Higgins. Uh, the problem child of the Our Voice organization, Sam Ronan, can't be with us tonight. He's in California at the Democratic uh, Convention. Uh, so it's just me and Adrian tonight. Um, Adrian, how you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Good. <laughs> um, so, let's get into it. A lot of uh, pretty pretty important stuff happened this week. <laughs> Some interesting things happened. Um, so I want to talk about the Comey memo, because uh, we can't not talk about it. You know, I, just on a side note, I, I had a whole rundown plan for tonight. Uh, you know, like two, three days ago, it was awesome. We were going to talk about the 2020 candidates. I literally had to throw out my entire rundown in the last two days because this <laughs> motherfucker doesn't stop doing insane things. And it's just it, uh, unbelievable. So uh, this is from the New York Times. Uh, Comey memo says Trump asked him to end Flynn. Comey memo says Trump asked him to end Flynn investigation. 
Uh, President Trump asked FBI Director James Comey to shut down the federal investigation into Mr. Trump's former National Security Advisor, Michael T. Flynn, in an Oval Office meeting in February, according to a memo Mr. Comey wrote shortly after the meeting. The documentation of Mr. Trump's request is the clearest evidence that the president has tried to directly influence the Justice Department and the FBI investigation into links between Mr. Trump's associates and Russia. Uh, late Tuesday, Rep. Jason Chaffetz, uh, the Republican chairman of the House Oversight Committee, demanded that the FBI turn over all memoranda, notes, summaries, and recordings of discussions between Mr. Trump and Mr. Comey. Such documents, Mr. Chaffetz wrote, uh, wrote, would raise questions as to whether or not the president attempted to influence or impede the FBI. Uh, Mr. Comey wrote the memo detailing his conversation with the president immediately after the meeting, which took place the day after Mike Flynn resigned, according to two people who read the memo. Uh, it was part of a paper trail that Mr. Comey created documenting what he perceived as the president's improper efforts to influence a continuing investigation. Uh, and FBI agents' uh, contemporaneous notes are widely held up in court as credible evidence for, uh, of conversations. Mr. Comey shared the existence of the memo with senior FBI officials uh, and close associates. New York Times has not viewed a copy of the memo, uh, which is unclassified, but one of Mr. Comey's associates read parts of it uh, to a Times reporter. Uh, I hope you can see your way to letting this go, to letting Flynn go, Mr. Trump told Mr. Comey, according to the memo. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. I know. Mr. Trump told Mr. Comey that uh, Mr. Flynn had done nothing wrong, according to the memo. <laughs> Mr. Comey did not say anything to Mr. Trump about curtailing the investigation, replying only, I agree he is a good guy. Uh, in a statement, the White House denied the, this version of uh, events in the memo. While the president has repeatedly expressed his view that General Flynn is a decent man who served and protected his country... The president has never asked Mr. Comey or anyone else to end in any investigation, including any investigation involving General Flynn, the statement said. <laughs> uh, the president has the utmost respect for our law enforcement agencies in all investigations. This is not a truthful or accurate portrayal of the conversation between the president and Mr. Comey. Okay, so, um, yeah, so that's that's pretty, you know, insane. Like, obviously... <laughs> The White House is full of shit about this, but, um, uh, you know, the story keeps changing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they want us to believe that, that what Comey, you know, former FBI director said in a, in a, in a memo is not true. Meanwhile, the reason for firing him, they told us last week was initially that, uh, they didn't like the way he handled the Hillary Clinton situation. And then they fired him because of that. But then like 10 hours later, Trump contradicted that on Twitter and said that he fired him because of the Russian investigation. And, you know, they can't even keep a story straight for 10 hours. Why would we I know, possibly... he said the same thing on NBC. It was like, why would you say that? <laughs> He's so stupid. That You know, and that actually, you know, that's kind of like the one thing, one reason why I'm not super happy about all this impeachment talk. He's such a gift to the Democrats right now. Because oh he, my goodness! He yeah, can't, he can't get anything done. He's such a buffoon that no. he he just keeps shooting himself in the foot. I mean, between that and the Muslim ban, which he ruined because he went on, you know, uh, out during his rallies saying like, "Oh, I want to ban all Muslims." That's the only reason that fell in court. <laughs> 
he pro- <laughs> I mean, he probably could have gotten that thing through if he hadn't said all that stupid shit. But he just, uh, I, he can't I help can't himself. Cannot laugh at it. <laughs> I know, I know. And but then with Pence, I mean, Pence could do all the stuff and probably wants to do most of the stuff that Trump wants to do. But he's not an idiot, and he's not gonna totally botch his chances of doing it by you know shooting his mouth off on Twitter. Right. It's almost worse to have him. I mean, and just beyond the fact that he's also super evangelical, that's a whole nother, you know. Yeah. See, that's the thing that scares me. He's super evangelical. He believes in his bullshit, you know. He really believes in it, it seems. He's going to try to take away at least, like, best case scenario is he just does a little bit, but he still does some stuff. Like, maybe he, he gets rid of, like... He cracks down on Roe v. Wade somehow, like guts it a little bit and like makes it so you can only get an abortion at X amount of time, you know, federally. Yeah. I mean, I I, I feel like the state, some of the states like New York will, will, um, what's it called? Fight it, you know, sue over that for states' rights, right? It's tough, though, in, in the Supreme Court now, now that they got Gorsuch in there. It's like, I don't know how yeah. much we can really <laughs> fight all this crap if it gets done federally. Federal law, I'm, you know, Trump state law. Are, are they, is, is Roberts and them pro-life? Who is pro-life on the, I don't even know. Like, I feel like Clarence Thomas definitely is because he's just such a moron. You know, I mean, I, and I'm not super versed on Supreme Court uh, cases, but I, the, the balance of power right now in the Supreme Court is exactly the same as it was when Scalia was alive. Um, yeah, who is definitely pro-life, right? Yeah, so I have to imagine that it's just very hard to overturn. Well, you know, I do know Kennedy happens to be a more moderate kind of Republican voice. Yeah. So, so it's possible that he's swung it. He's probably pro-choice, you're right. And, and it is actually very yeah, I hard. I don't know about John Roberts. I really don't know. He's, I, I saw I, this thing. He's unreliable for anything. For I know, it's kind of a good thing in a sense, but I saw this thing on, because he's not super reliable for the far far right, mm-hmm. um, I saw this thing for, that the Federalist Society did, and I, and I was, it was supposed to be about the history of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and instead they just bitched the entire time about how John Roberts wasn't as conservative as they thought he would be, <laughs> and how they need to look for signs in the early interviews, like when, you know, when they um, question, uh, what do they call it, when they question them before... Mm-hmm. Um, to to see how you know they're gonna judge or whatever, um, like they just let what hearings? There we go, hearings. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, my memory's finally coming back. So when <laughs> they had his hearings, they went through it and they were like, "What were the clues that we would have known that he wouldn't be as <laughs> conservative as we want him to be?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say about Robert. I will say about Roberts, I'm, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure he's the justice that uh handed the election to bush you know and 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 and, you know uh made them stop counting the ballots in florida so i mean for that alone he can you know go fuck himself but well uh greg palace said that the law that helped um even bring that court you know bring that court case up was a law that jeb bush used for his own election (laughs) years before (laughs) please clap it's like you can't even write this shit you know it's so blatantly corrupt. You can't even write it. <laughs> you, you, you mean you mean supernova of charisma? Obvious. Supernova of charisma. Jeb Bush couldn't win an election on his own. I can't believe it. Please clap. Please clap for me. Please. Yeah, please clap. <laughs> oh oh man, that is such a good good little <laughs> snippet. 
so, the collection had a lot of those. Oh my god, this is I'd never want to do this again ever. The selection. No, that's probably why Bertie was so pissed when they asked him, "What are you going to run in for 2020?" And he was just so pissed. He's like, "We just had a damn election." <laughs> My, my and favorite... I think that's why the other guys are cursing, by the way. Like, why Kristen Gillibrand said shit. Yeah. I think it's because they realized that, um, you know, Bernie swears and says, damn, and that's, that's cool. Yeah, they think they're so edgy. Tom Perez keeps cursing in all his speeches. He's like, oh, I'm going to be like Bernie. But nobody gives a <laughs> shit. Like, come on. No, you're not fooling anyone, Tom. Really? Um... He's just trying to lead with his values. <laughs> We know, Adrian, when we, when we leave with our values and we put hope on the ballot, we win. Put fear on the ballot. <laughs> we can't, we That'll can, never not be funny. We, we, have a, we, have, we just have like a Tom Perez impersonation quota. We, we can't not impersonate him like two or three times per episode. We have to. It's the yeah, only way to, yeah. to accept him. <laughs> He's such a just a wet noodle of a human being that it's it's impossible to just let him slide. Cause, yeah. Um, but no, then you so back... Yeah, back to the Comey and the Trump thing. I, I mean, uh, so it doesn't look good for Trump. <laughs> no. this, this is, no. I mean, you know, this is on par with what Nixon did uh, that forced him to resign and that, you know, led, right. led, led to them calling for his impeachment is trying to tamper with a federal investigation. Now, uh, you still need Republicans to get on board with this uh, because they still mm-hmm. control all branches of government and all, you know, uh, the House and the Senate. So in order to proceed with any kind of impeachment, and again, I'm not cheerleading it because I think Pence is actually going to be worse in many ways, but if they decide that this is what they're going to do uh, in their infinite wisdom, the Democrats, uh, they're going to need Republican backing. Now, yeah, McCain seems to be very on board with, with sinking Trump. I think Kasich will be on board too. He sounded like it, yeah. He absolutely sounded like yeah. it. I think he'd rather have Pence because they're both Jesus freaks. <laughs> when and Justin Amash, uh, who's a representative, also said that he would pre- he would proceed with impeachment, uh, calling for an impeachment hearing, if the memo turned out to be true and they see proof of it. And Chaffetz, you know, also requested the memos and all and all documentation. You know, well, cause... he's resigning. So <laughs> he's resigning, what but does that they... mean? <laughs> he's just trying to get the fuck out of there before he actually has to look at all this stuff. I don't know. They don't put another ass clown in there in Utah, but you never know what you're going to get over there. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be be very interesting to see what happens because... Who's going to win? Who's going to win the white privilege fight? Call me or Trump? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, But... What was I going to say? Yeah. So what's worst case scenario with Pence? You know what I what I said to you the other day. It's like it's like that show on Hulu that's also a book, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Because it's that's just about becoming a like evangelical, specifically evangelical theoc- theocracy, <laughs> um, like an author- authoritarian too. You know, it's like, oh man, I'm like this is right out of Mike Pence's dream. Oh yeah. I mean, the only hope with Mike so Pence it's an is an interesting show. The, the only hope with Mike Pence is that because he wasn't elected, uh, he'll have a really hard time governing. But it, but I mean, again, mm-hmm. they control all branches of government, so it's like they're gonna they're gonna pass some horrible, heinous shit in the meantime. But he would have a very hard time getting reelected, I would think. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. gonna be interesting to we'll see, see how it shakes out. 
Um, I mean, he's def- we all know he's going to attack women's issues. That's going to oh, definitely God. be first on the he's, chopping block. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget who Mike Pence is. He's a total fucking maniac, even though he plays it off like he's like a calm, you know, even-tempered guy. He's This is the guy that, that uh, sponsored a bill in, in Indiana. He was governor of Indiana to force women to hold funerals for their aborted fetuses. So, great guy he is. All around fucking great guy. He's going to, like, force us to be segregated in movie theaters or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you won't, you can't, you heard the, you, did you hear the story about how he, like, won't go to an event that alcohol served at if his wife's not with him? Yeah, yeah, I did hear that. That's why I think everything, everywhere is going to have to be segregated going forward so yeah. Mike Pence can go please with his wife. And he calls his wife mommy, which is a whole nother, Jesus Christ, let's not even get, in, got get into his psychological <laughs> issues. Oh my God. Yeah, um, nobody wants him as the president, man, <laughs> except for probably a very small percentage of the population. Yeah, no, he's a nightmare. Because even the Trump voters probably, who wanted the social issues that Trump's talked about, probably don't want him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, and also kind of piggybacking on that story, there was a story that came out at, later that day, because we can't go 10 seconds without a massive breaking news alert. Um uh-huh, this, yeah, and this is from the post. And no, it, you know, but CNN will do that anyway. If it's like you know, the cat, you know, hit by a car today, they'll do a breaking news alert. But they've actually been able to justify their absurd overuse of breaking news this this <laughs> this year. Um, been absurd. But so from the post, there's a story. Uh, House Majority Leader said to colleagues in 2016, "I think Putin pays Trump." So. Um, a month before Donald Trump clinched the Republican nomination, one of his closest allies in Congress, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, made a politically explosive assertion in a private conversation on Capitol Hill with his fellow GOP leaders that Trump uh, could be the beneficiary of payments from Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, there's two people I think Putin pays, Rohrabacher and Trump, McCarthy said, according to a recording of the June 15th, 2016 exchange which was listened to and verified by the Washington Post. Uh, Rep. Dana Rohrbacher is a Californian Republican known in Congress as a fervent defender of Putin in Russia. Uh, so I, and I've seen her. She goes on, she, she's, she's definitely a Putin apologist, and I'm not, you know, I'm not on the Putin hysteria train, but she's, she's clearly, <laughs> clear, clearly more than just a, more than just a level-headed. She clearly has some kind of a interest in seeing his interests furthered. Um, what she's not like a Glenn, Glenn Greenwald Putin puppet, you know, no, like no, that yeah. level. She's, she's not like Jimmy Dore, just... who's clearly Putin, a puppet of the Kremlin, <laughs> you know. Um... <laughs> all these people who like are clearly not into Putin yeah, at no, all, no. Uh, <laughs> but are allegedly us, Putin apparently. puppets. We, we're, we're probably, I'm sure, I'm surprised no one's called us a Putin, uh, Putin's puppet yet, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm a Putin puppet to everybody. I mean, come on, I watch RT shows. <laughs> oh my God, forget about it. Um, so the House Speaker Paul Ryan immediately interjected, stopping the conversation further, uh, from further exploring McCarthy's assertion and swore the Republicans present to secrecy. Before the conversation, McCarthy and Ryan had emerged from separate talks at the U.S. Capitol with Ukrainian Prime Minister, oof, uh, Volodymyr Groisman. I think I got that right. 
who had described a Kremlin tactic of financing populist politicians to undercut Eastern European democratic institutions. That must be where all these like maniacs like Sally Albright get the whole like Bernie's as a paid uh, Kremlin stew. Like I, I actually see people say that on Twitter, like people who have a blue check. So, you know, they're, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, they're important as Jimmy likes to say. Like, that, that the people actually fucking think that, like, Bernie, like, somehow had involvement with, like, Putin to make Hillary look weak. <laughs> it's unbelievable that the level of, of psychoses these people go to to justify her losing to a well, fucking orange What was, what was Bernie doing for Putin? What was he on on his computer hacking away at Hillary's, yeah. Hillary's emails? Is that what, what Bernie did? Yeah. He's like this Techno wizard Bernie Sanders. Oh my god. He's he's part of Anonymous now. <laughs> no, Bernie's more of an actual wizard than a technical wizard. Did you see that picture of him at the uh, commencement speech where they gave him like a really oversized robe? It, it was like the funniest no. thing. He looked like he looked like a wizard. It was like it was great. Um so Yeah, it must have been a goddamn big robe because he's over six feet, isn't he? He might I be, saw yeah. him in person, he's tall. Is he? Um that's why his arms are always like hands are always going to other people's faces when he's like talking <laughs> with his arms because they're so long. <laughs> um, so news had just broken the day uh, the day before in the Washington Post that Russian government hackers had penetrated the computer network of the DNC, prompting McCarthy to shift conversation from Russian meddling in Europe to events closer to home. Some of the lawmakers laughed at McCarthy's comment. Then McCarthy McCarthy quickly added, "Swear to God." Uh, Ryan instructed his Republican lieutenants to keep this conversation private, saying, no leaks. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we know we're a real family here. Um, yeah, I need to read the rest of this. So, <laughs> now, Families don't leak. Yeah, no, it's like the, like the fucking mob. Like, who says that? Um, what, are they going to take, like, a blood oath now? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, it's funny, but then, but now the spin coming out of that, and again, I'm not on the, the Putin, I think people are massively overblowing a lot of the Russia stuff, but this is pretty, yeah, this is pretty, sure. yeah, but this is pretty, this is pretty interesting <laughs> to say the least. And McCarthy's response when, when the story came out was like, oh, clearly it was a joke. I click, yeah. Cause when I joke, I really say swear to God right afterwards that, that, that indicates that you're joking. I don't, I don't know if you know that, Adrian, but... And, and then immediately <laughs> someone else says, no leaks. Make sure we don't tell him. <laughs> Sounds like a joke so, to me. Let's good not old, tell good old this, joke. this hilarious joke. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I don't know what's going to come of that, but uh, it, it's, it's definitely interesting and worth keeping an eye on, I, I would say. Um, so... Yeah, so I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens there, but just definitely everyone should keep an eye on that, because um, it's not nothing. Yeah, for sure. No, um, none of this is normal. Like this red baiting stuff is insane. Yeah, no, that. that, that and you know, and, and I made Jeez. this. Oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna ask if you saw that billboard, like that guy in California. Oh my god. Uh, is that, I, you did see it. Yeah, the, let's talk. Let's have a town hall. Let's talk, talk about, about Russia. Russia. Yeah, because that's what your fucking constituents are super concerned about—the ones who are, you know, worrying about whether or not they can afford health care and afford their mortgages. Really want to know about fucking Russia. Like, that's that's the thing with the whole Russia thing. And I've said this before, but there, this is a total like 
only people in the Beltway think that this is what everyone is concerned with. Like, sure, are people, like, curious about it and think it's a way to get rid of Trump? Yeah. But do you think, like, average Joe working 40 hours a week for, you know, seven fifty an hour gives a fuck about Russia and about Trump's involvement with them? No. <laughs> like, of course not. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I almost fall into that category and I don't give a fuck. I want to make sure that we get the policies that we need to make sure the country gets better and that the middle class grows and that the economy improves and not just in the bullshit, oh, the economy was great for eight years under Obama. It kept, you know, raised record high profits. Yeah, to the richest motherfuckers on the planet who took all the money from us on Wall Street. You know, regular Yeah, people. notice how it's all these rich people that are pushing the Russia narrative. I mean, who's he going to get at this town hall? Rachel Maddow? Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking joke. And, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> it's just such... Uh... So, you know, I, as always, I stress people just use their head and be level-headed about this Russia stuff because there might be some shady business dealings here, but I think Trump has shady business dealings with a lot of nations, and I think, you know, it's a problem, but I think that's a problem not just shared with Russia. I think he probably has shady business ties to, you know, Qatar and Saudi Arabia and all these other countries that he has, you know, hotels with or that he does business with. And that he's getting money from. Um, so I just, you know, I hope people don't lose sight of that. Um, but I, it seems like a big distraction. Yeah, no, it is. And 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 the Democrats love it because a, it's a good fundraising tool for them, and b, it, they don't have to talk about their own problems. They don't have to do an autopsy yeah. about why they lost to the biggest fucking buffoon in the history of you know U.S. elections. Uh, I mean, I bet their donors would rather them talk about Russia than universal health care. Of course. They went off on something else, you know? I mean, the crazy thing to me is that, that you know, in that book Shattered, that's, you know, like that really in-depth like uh, look at Hillary's failed campaign, they talk about yeah. how they cooked up the Russian narrative, essentially, and how they were like, we got to make sure everyone focuses yeah. on Russia. And, you know, it's not like there was nothing there, but they're clearly alleging shit that there's no proof of i mean there's i say this all the time there's way more proof of uh donna brazil and debbie wasserman schultz influencing the democratic primary election than there is of russia influencing the general elections but nobody wants to talk about that there's we have actual I mean, proof of really, that what did they what did russia actually do i mean they released information that was already true yeah well, that, well, you know, you know like... and that's the that's the funny thing is that like trump with this whole thing is like well the real story here is the uh, that people are leaking classified information, but and the Democrats will jump all over that. But they're doing the same shit. They're they're complaining about who hacked the DNC, and we don't even know that's Russia. There's a, that's a whole nother. I mean, we we you know I don't I don't even want to fully get into the Seth Rich thing until we see how it plays out. But it, it's right. very you know WikiLeaks, who I trust the fucking hell of a lot more than uh, the Democratic Party. You know these the the people within the Democratic Party who are providing this information. Uh, WikiLeaks says all but said that Seth Rich was their source for the the DNC leak, and Seth Rich got shot in the back. Uh, I think the week after the election, uh, in a quote unquote box robbery, even though he was shot in the back, uh, they didn't take his phone, his wallet, his watch, his necklace, which was like two, worth two thousand dollars according to the police report. So. Uh, they just shot him, you know, execution style and didn't rob him. But, and and I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories and we don't know what happened. And I'm not saying that the 
that, that Debbie Wasserman Schultz ordered Seth Rich to be killed or anything like that. But, you know, there, there's more of a, there's more of an interesting thing to look at there, I think, than even, the, than, the, than there is with this Russia thing. And the whole point is that the, the information revealed in the WikiLeaks was true. And it was horrible. And it proved that they rigged that election and influenced that election. So... Well, yeah, I think the Seth Rich thing is shady also because they call it a botched robbery. I think that makes it sound shady. Yeah. Like, if they just called it an unsolved murder, I feel like everybody would be like, okay, that makes sense. But calling it a botched robbery? Yeah, why would you assume it's a botched robbery if you have no idea? Like, you it, don't... I mean, doesn't he have to be robbed for it to be a robbery? Yeah, that's the thing. Why? How would you even know that it was a botched robbery if there was if you if you didn't see and you just found him shot in the back? I mean, I to me, that's if I saw that, part about the whole thing. I would say that's a murder. Like if I came upon that as a cop and had no further evidence. So I I'd also be outraged if I was his family because I'd be like, yeah, he wasn't robbed. He was murdered. It's not a botched robbery. It was a murder. Yeah. Like, that makes it sound like he wasn't murdered when you say botched robbery. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely Weird. keep our eye on that, and if any kind of new information uh, comes out about that. Credible we'll, information. Credible information, because yeah. there's some, yeah, some stuff went on this week, but we don't have to get into that. Um, but I also want to talk about uh, Hillary's new super PAC, because we, we, we've mentioned it a little bit in passing, but it got its official launch uh, last week even though it's been operational and taking in money, presumably, for the last, like, three weeks. But whatever. <laughs> they pretended like it launched last week. So we'll uh, we'll cover it as such. Um, this is an article from the New York Times. Uh, Hillary Clinton on Monday announced the launch of Onward Together, a new political group aimed at advancing progressive causes uh, by harnessing grassroots opposition to uh, President Trump's policies. Mrs. Clinton who until recently had maintained a low profile after her loss in the presidential election in November, said on Twitter that her new group would encourage people to get involved, organize, and even run for office. More than ever, I believe citizen engagement is vital to our democracy, she added. I'm so inspired by everyone stepping up to organize and lead. Mrs. Clinton went on to praise the work of several grassroots groups that have emerged as part of a broad, lib uh, broader liberal movement opposed to Mr. Trump and his policies. Onward Together will support those groups, she said, uh, though she did not describe what form the assistance would take. Onward Together is registered as a 501c4 group, the IRS uh, designated for so-called social welfare nonprofits, which are often cited for a rise in dark money in politics because of their ability to protect donor anonymity. Uh, Mrs. Clinton said that Howard Dean who has been a presidential candidate, uh, the Vermont governor and chairman of the DNC, would be involved, although she did not describe what role he would play. According to a mission statement posted on its website, Onward Together aims to, quote, advance progressive values, I'm, I'm sure, uh, by encouraging political engagement. The Republican Party criticized, this is actually pretty funny, like, I, I, you know, Republicans are douchebags, but they had a really funny burn on Twitter about this. Uh, the Republican Party criticized Mrs. Clinton's new group, uh, describing it simply uh, as her old campaign under a new banner. So uh, the GOP posted on Twitter, uh, if at first you don't succeed, repurpose your failed branding. And they posted a screen cap of the Onward Together uh, email splash page. So, Oh, God. <laughs> it's so transparently awful that even like the ancient Republicans can come up with a funny burn 
on it. Like that's that was my takeaway from that. Um, this, so this is Hillary trying to <laughs> to correct the record against uh, people like Brandy Congress and just Justice Dems. Yeah, I mean, she says you know support candidates. You really think she's going to be supporting people who are going to be primarying incumbents like? You know, all her buddies in there, like Nancy Pelosi. No, no this of is course to help not. Joe Manchin. Yeah, this, this is, is to help, help the, Joe the worst Nancy of the Pelosi. worst Democrats. Oh, yeah, okay. she's going to help them, um, you know, against their challengers. That's probably the idea, but she's not going to come out and say that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean, clearly that's that's what's happening. Um, I, I just want to read you one more thing from the uh, campaign legal center, who, who are widely regarded, uh, you know, in the fight. That uh, they're nonpartisan, they're highly respected in the fight to get money out of politics. They released a statement uh, after the announcement of the group. Um, <clears throat> on Monday, Secretary Hillary Clinton announced that she was launching a new political 501c4 group, Onward Together. Staffers for the new group suggested it will not disclose the names of its donors. Larry Noble, Senior Director, Regulatory Reform Programs and General Counsel at the Campaign Legal Center, the CLC, uh, released the following statement about the importance of disclosure to the ongoing health of our democracy. It is disappointing that Secretary Hillary Clinton, who ran on a platform of uh, ending secret, unaccountable money in politics, <laughs> which is laughable that she ran on that platform, by the way, uh, uh, would break the so When did that happen? Yeah, I, I don't remember. But no, I, I'm sure she said it, you know. Just like Barack Obama said he was going to uh, dismantle the surveillance state. And you see how well that worked out. Um, what? Oh, I was just saying, he said a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so it's disappointing that she would break the spirit of her own promise uh, by starting a new dark money group to allow her to raise unlimited funds from secret donors. Disclosure is critical because voters deserve to know if our leaders will answer to them or to wealthy special interest groups and donors. Transparency is the foundation of an open democracy. Uh, Clinton's group is following a dangerous path that could further open the floodgates to even more unaccountable money in politics. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so transparently obvious that this is just Clinton Foundation, you know, Clinton Foundation to Electric Boogaloo, I, I, I like to call it. She just clearly <laughs> wants to wants to funnel more money to her and her husband, and you know whatever they decide to do with it, whoever they decide to donate it to, uh, whatever. I, I, she's not going to be fighting progressive causes. Like guys, come on, th th that's not going to happen. When has she ever actually fought for a real progressive cause? She she was totally silent on Dapple. Didn't say a freaking word about it, even though it was happening right in the middle of the, the campaign. Uh, she uh, never spoke up about fighting for 50. She actually opposed $15 minimum wage federally. She wanted $12 minimum wage federally. She's never fought for a progressive cause in her life. She's always trailed on any kind of progressive issues. The only time she ever comes around on a progressive issue is when the polls say that it's advantageous for her to do so. Otherwise, she would just, you know be behind the times so uh, you know I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this but I'm, I'm it, it's just it worries me because I really worry that that she thinks that she can run again and like that seems insane yeah. it seems insane to normal people but 
she doesn't live in the real world. She hasn't lived in the real world in 30 years. I mean, she hasn't driven herself in 20 years. She doesn't... I don't know that she understands the level of disdain for her in 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 just among... In, in the voting community, among real people. Like, that she would just do even worse. Do you, do you, do you, I don't know if that's really her concern. You know, it's, it's crazy. It might not be. But, you know, I... I for all the for all the like her wanting to raise money, I do think she does want to win because I think she does enjoy yeah. the power and the further, you know, furthering of her of her influence if she does become president. But I mean, that's what it's got to be about. It's not about money because she could earn more money not campaigning, you know, doing like just speeches full time, and you know, people would just hire her for shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, and Campaigns she's... are spending money, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I it mean, must be for the power. I, you know, it's always, to me, it's for the Clinton, like, her and Bill, it's always been a combination of they want money and they want power. So, I mean, whatever it takes for them yeah. to get those two, they seem to be willing to do. Uh, morals be damned, you know, policy be damned, any kind of... Uh, Anything be damned, just as long as it gets them where they need to be. She's also got to set up so she can, you know, strong arm Chelsea into office somewhere. Somewhere. It's gonna, you know, the the rumor that I've seen a lot is that she's gonna try to have Chelsea take Nita Lowy's seat, which is actually my district. Um, Oh. (laughs) And I, I said to my friends, like, I will not fucking be represented by. Chelsea Clinton. I don't care what I will run myself before I let Chelsea Clinton run unopposed in a Democratic primary in in, in my district, in my home district, <laughs> because I, they they think they can just keep this train of nepotism and and you know the, the, this almost like we're we're not we're not a monarchy. We don't we shouldn't be having these dynastic families who just automatically get into power because they're you know, like trillionaires and gajillionaires that they have all this money, they can just buy their way into office. We we need people representing us who actually represent us and understand, you know, the plight of, of working people in this country and in the district that they're going to be representing. Chelsea Clinton's lived in a fucking mansion, lived in mansions and penthouses her entire life, uh, hasn't had to work for a fucking thing in her life, gets Lifetime Achievement Awards handed to her for being the president's yeah in her 30s (laughs) for being the president's daughter i guess maybe one thing chelsea clinton's done that hasn't come to her directly because of her mother and her father i can't think of a single thing (laughs) i mean honestly um yeah i don't know i didn't she write a book or something (laughs) she's writing a children's book now we're, we're done with the clintons they need to learn that they need to please just go away and make room for new leaders and we're done with them so you I mean, know. but look at how, how many people get to, to do nepotism. I mean, there's Flanagan on Long Island, one of the local senators. There's, you know, Cuomo in the city, yeah. you know, the mayor. Oh, and then, I mean, the governor. Um, and well, then Cuomo's there's, father uh, was actually you know, progressive. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah, true. well, that's not the, the case of the Cuomos anymore, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, and his brother's a fucking stooge on CNN. Yeah. No, that's absolutely. a real shill. You want to talk about a shill? That's a guy who's a total shill. Remember when he was talking to Bernie? And so you want to punish people? <laughs> kind of a fucking question is that? Like, who, who, I really want to know if he, 
Bernie wanted to raise taxes on the wealthy, and he was yeah. just like, so you want to punish the wealthy? I, I would I would pay $1,000 to know whether or not asshole Chris Cuomo came up with that com- that question off the top of his head, or if he had a producer in his ear, because that was one of the stupidest questions I've ever... That's such a disingenuous premise for a question to a politician. I mean, it's you know unbelievable. You came up with it? They're donors. They're, yeah. You know, the advertisers, probably. <laughs> You just imagine the CEO. They did not want Bernie to be president. That was for sure. The 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 media. I just imagine like the CEO of Viacom having one of the channels and Chris Cuomo's here and his producer having the other. And anytime the, the CEO of Viacom gets pissed off, he just hits like a little intercom button. No, ask him. So we, oh, so he wants to punish me now. Is that what it is? He wants to take more money from me? Is it? <laughs> ask him, Chris. Ask him. Do it. <laughs> like, I just imagine that's what that's what's going. on. You better on. do it. Just for, oh my God, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, I think you've said it before. The only good thing about Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo is that Andrew Cuomo loves to give Chris Cuomo shit on air whenever he's being interviewed by him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just rags on his baby brother. And I mean, you would too if that was your brother. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> really, seriously. Um, yeah, now there, there, there's, I mean, I, I there's almost nobody left in news media and t- and t- on television at least worth a damn like in terms of actual journalistic reporting if if you are worth a damn you get fired if you're you know ed schultz or ashley benfield yeah and rt picks you up because they're the only ones who will hire you and then you get called a uh, kremlin puppet and nobody takes you seriously even though you're doing real journalism i mean phil donahue ed schultz got fired by uh the new york times yeah absolutely and Um, he's, he's brilliant now he's on rt yeah i watch his show it's great yeah uh, is, is Phil Donahue even still alive? I mean, he you know he got fired for 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 not supporting the Iraq War, and he disappeared off the face of the earth like nobody would hire him. It's unbelievable. Yep. yep. Now everyone because claims the media wanted that war. Ugh, yeah. Well, they want another war so, <laughs> with Russia, apparently. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I don't know why anybody would be warmongering with Russia. It just seems like such a stupid idea. Yeah. No. It really, really is. Um. So, you know, we're talking about the media. I actually have a story about the media that I want to talk about because there's this really troubling trend in TV media right now where I I, I assume it's that networks are just taking the totally wrong message from Trump's election and the idiots are simplistically being like, oh, well, you know, Republican won. That means the country is further right. We need to go further right with our coverage. Um, So, which, which is... You know, not that that's not the message from the 2016 election. I mean, you know, let's be real. Donald Trump didn't lose the 2016 election. Hillary, I'm sorry, Donald Trump didn't win the 2016 presidential election. Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 presidential election. So to think that the country is going further right is just, it, it doesn't, it, the facts don't bear that out. I mean, if you look at opinion polls on t- on individual platform positions the country is overwhelmingly left i mean on you know universal health care 15 dollar minimum wage even even something as crazy as like basic not crazy but crazy to them as uh like a universal basic income polls favorably so th- this thinking is the the real problem was that just voter apathy to candidates that don't promise them any kind of positive change and that they know won't bring them positive change but that doesn't, you know, that that doesn't serve the establishment narrative, and that doesn't please their donors, so they won't ever go with that. But um, I have this story here 
uh, from New York Magazine uh, about George Will. <laughs> uh, George, oh, boy. Yeah. George Will is the latest conservative to find a home at MSNBC. Uh, George Will, a pretentious avatar of the bowtie conservatism who left the Republican Party because of Donald Trump, has signed on to become a contributor with MSNBC and NBC News. Uh, the Washington Post columnist previously worked at Fox News, which declined to pick up his contract in January. He's been popping up on MSNBC ever since and will now call the network home. Will's hiring follows a New York report that said MSNBC is working with conservative commentator Hugh Hewitt on plans for a weekend show. Uh, that news followed the announcement that former George W. Bush aide Nicole Wallace, a political analyst at MSNBC, will host a week, uh, weekday show on the network beginning in May. Prior to that, NBC hired Fox News uh, vets Greta Van Susteren and Megyn Kelly. It's all part of executive Andy Lack's attempt to, quote, move the cable news network away from its bedrock liberalism and towards a more centrist approach, which is hilariously laughable because I would say... MSNBC couldn't be more centrist if they tried prior to all these firings and hirings and are now basically just another subsidiary of Fox News. I mean, that what, what do they have? Two two people with any kind of like a liberal voice left on that network? You know, Rachel Maddow, Lawrence O'Donnell, maybe Chris Hayes. <laughs> and they're uh. about to and they're about to fire Lawrence O'Donnell, even though he has the second highest ratings of cable uh, because he doesn't fit uh, Andy Lack's new approach. Uh, which I well, guess... I think it's a few things, really, like four things. Number one, I think it's that that group, Spectrum Group. I don't know if you heard of them. They're really right wing, and they're buying up all the TV stations. Yeah. Um. So they're kind of pushing everybody to the right. Number two, Fox News is doing really well, so everybody wants to get in on the gravy train. <laughs> Number three, who watches cable news and who's giving up on cable news? Millennials are giving up on cable news and watching YouTube and listening to podcasts and reading on the internet and, um, you know, people 70 plus who tend to lead, lead conservative, you know, lean conservative are the ones watching. Yeah. We're not watching. Yeah. No. So no. they're trying to get that viewership, you know? Yeah. So, well, and, f- and also this new FCC guy who knows how oh, that's going to influence things because maybe they just want to be in favor of the FF- FCC because they don't want their programming to get the short end of the stick. Now that net neutrality is kaput. So disastrous. Like I, I, and I'm not an expert on where that is right now. And I know they voted to kill net neutrality. I really hope there's something we can do to stop that because it, it is so disastrous what that's going to do to just free and independent information and you know actual journalism because all the actual journalism right now, unfortunately, is taking place on YouTube and online, and you can't find any journalists worth their salt on TV news. Oh, you know how slow RT is going to be? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's the thing. It's gonna, I don't think people understand how bad killing net neutrality is. It just lets them essentially turn your internet into like a cable plan. They could charge you extra for net. You know, they could say, oh, well, Netflix is an extra five bucks a month just to get it from our, your cable company. Or they could slow down, you know, the Young Turks website if they don't like what they're saying about them or saying about the president or saying about whoever. It's just so disastrous in so many ways that, like, I I, I really worry that we can't unbreak that vase once it's broken, but we'll we'll see what happens. I I really hope we can restore net neutrality once we get people in there worth a damn. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a disaster. (laughs) 
So, yeah, I mean, cable news is just further, you know, spiraling into irrelevancy. So, I mean. uh, Yeah, so who else is watching, you know, just old people, really, at this point? Yeah. Um, Anybody internet savvy has gone to the internet because they realize that this is just Russia, 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 you know, (laughs) conservative nonsense, uh, breaking news for every little thing. The president stubbed his toe, breaking news. Oh, Christ. Well, they um, never broke news to tell us about those sleeves of Oreos. <laughs> that was the best story ever. Uh, if you guys didn't listen yep. last week, Dave Anthony was telling about... He, he has a comedian friend who, I guess, ha- knows somebody who works in the White House, and apparently Trump just walks around with sleeves of Oreos, um, e- you know, eating sleeves of Oreos, and he banned like carrot and celery plates from the white house. Cause he doesn't want anyone eating healthier than he is. Cause I guess it makes him feel bad about his horrible diet. Oh, by the way, speak. And you know, I didn't even have time. There's so many Trump stories. I didn't have time to add into the rundown because there's like 10 things a day, but there was another thing about how like, he, you know, he's overseas right now. He's going to like all the Holy, you know, he, he's stopping at the Vatican and he's meeting with uh, people in Saudi Arabia and he's going to Israel. He, he eats like a child. So they have to, prepare like steak and ketchup dinners for him everywhere he goes apparently this this was like a big thing like when he was going overseas like he he can't eat like ethnic food so they have to prepare dinner for him like a child it's unbelievable oh my god are you serious like he's not gonna eat you know israeli food in israel no but the crazy thing is like italy of all places that food's amazing yeah and like i'm a picky eater i'm not you know that i'm not but I mean, I, I could find shit to eat in Italy. Like, he he is such a child that he cannot find things to eat anywhere he's going and needs them to have his disgusting combination of well-done steak, which who the hell eats well-done steak, and ketchup, which is, like, such a, like, a low-class thing. Like, I, it, it's so weird to me what the stuff he eats. I actually wish we had oh Sam on. Seriously, like, I, I assumed he went to, like, high-end restaurants and ate, like, Chef's suggestion because he wants to be Mr. High Class. No, well, money doesn't buy you class, apparently, because he's never no. been a classy guy. I mean. <laughs> but he tells us everybody about the classiest of everything. You know, he makes the classiest water, the classiest yeah. clothes. No, I know. Um, he's got I, the classiest buildings with his names, you know, scrawled, scrawled across them. <laughs> I wish we had Sam on, because I know he's almost as picky as Trump is, and I would love to give him some shit oh. about that, but. Oh, I can't wait. I have such a good line for him. I can't wait. <laughs> That's right, Sam. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he's he's a disaster. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but back to, yeah, back to the, the cable news thing. I mean, I, <laughs> they can do it. They can keep doing this. It's fine. Just keep doing it because you're just driving people to, you know, getting their news on YouTube and listening to podcasts and listening to our podcast and finding their news wherever they can, because nobody buys your shit anymore. I mean, you know, it's just (sighs) unbelievable. Everybody's going to be listening to democracy now and watching TYT and watching RT shows like Tom Hartman. No, not TYT anymore because they're sellouts apparently. Oh, please. (laughs) We're not gonna. <laughs> they're, they're, they're I'm gonna... the only, you know, the most prominent voice on the left. 
yeah. that has millions of viewers. Are you kidding me? Like, I want to, I want to save I, that. I want to, I want to save that because we're hopefully having Jordan on in the next few weeks, and we'll talk to him about that a little bit, and we'll talk yeah. to, Sam, to Sam about it. But um, we have some thoughts. The only thing I got to say about it is he shouldn't have mixed up Nico House and um, who did he mix him up with? Tim Black. Tim that Black, was yeah. not cool. No, that wasn't cool. That's it. That wasn't cool. That's the only thing I got to say about yeah. it. Otherwise, they're entitled to have some, you know, centrists on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah. Are we and, supposed to be an echo chamber of the same opinions? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, I said I wasn't going to get into it, but I'll get into it because it it, it's, <laughs> it annoys me. Guys, TYT is not a monolith. Like, they're not, just because three, and I, and I, let me preface this by saying I vehemently disagreed with their coverage of the DNC fraud lawsuit in that segment that pissed everyone off. I thought they did a shit job. But it was, you also have to remember, like, Jenk was away that week. It was the three most centrist members of TYT. It was, like, John Iderola, uh, uh, Michael Schur, and I think uh, Mark Thompson or something, you know. Yeah, that was it. And, um... Yeah, yeah no Anna, no Jimmy. No Jimmy, no, no Jordan, know. no Jenk. Jenk would not have said the shit that they said. He wouldn't have given the DNC a pass. He would have fucking railed on the DNC. And he has railed on the DNC for their uh, tampering in the primary. So to act like all of a sudden TYT is is are these centrist sellouts and like you know, uh, uh, whatever the fuck you call them, Shillery's, it's 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 a little crazy to me. And I and I think and I you know and I appreciate all the independent journalism that people on the left have done and I uh, you know even helped us out in a lot of ways. But I, I think some people are using this to kind of raise their prominence in, in, in the progressive world. And, and it's a little upsetting to see that because I respect a lot of these people journalistically and I think they do a great job, but I, I think, I think people are making mountains out of molehills here. And it's like, guys, like Jenk doesn't feel like that. Jordan doesn't feel like that. I mean, Jordan, you know, Jordan was the one who broke the freaking Donna Brazil story. He broke the, the, and he confronted her. I mean, we wouldn't have even made, you know, I mean, we might've known about it, but he was the one who found that email and actually confronted Donna Brazil about, uh, leaking the questions to Hillary Clinton about, during the debate primaries. So let's not pretend like these guys are all of a sudden like pro DNC. Like they, uh, they can't stand the DNC. I mean, one good point I have to make is name me one other media organization that has as much viewers as them that gave Bernie as much exposure as they gave. Yeah, I know. He, they had Bernie on twice, like for like full episodes to talk to him, and they they talked about him all the time, you know. So Jenk opened for yeah, him at I rallies. Understand. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Jenk came out to buy Bernie rally out in L.A. He was yeah. totally involved. And yeah, he you know, Candace little. <laughs> and he's and you know he did say after Bernie was eliminated, like, oh, you should vote for Hillary, and I disagree with him, but. That doesn't mean that he was like a Hillary Clinton fan. He just was like, oh, fuck, we really need to make sure Trump doesn't get elected. And, you know, I may have disagreed with his strategy, but that that's hardly, you know, that hardly does away with all the stuff he did for Bernie during the primary. So let's not let's get, let's try to keep some perspective because TYT is like the biggest voice on the left that we have right now. We need to not shun them and totally, you know, get rid of them as, as a voice for, for progressives, because they still employ like a lot of the other big voices on the left. I mean, they, you know, Jordan's still there. Jimmy Dore is still there. Emma. Emma. They're still, they're still a great mouthpiece for the, the policies that we want to see 
implemented. So let's not just totally shun them because of a bad confluence of circumstances where they did some really bad coverage of one story. Like that, That's all I'm saying. And I, I'm sure even people within our group are going to get really pissy at me for saying this, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I feel. Fuck you if you can't take it. <laughs> um, it's the fucking truth. So, you know, that, 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 that's my piece on that. And I respect everybody yeah. on both sides of this argument. I respect Jordan. I respect... H.A. Goodman. I respect Tim Black. You know, I talked to him. He's a great yeah, guy. Yeah, we love Tim Black. I talked to him a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that, that that's how I feel. And I, I really just hope we get we can all get past this because this fucking helps out the establishment. Like, when we're fighting like this, this the Hillary Clinton yeah. and her cronies love this shit. I'm, I'm sure she doesn't even know this is going on. But pe- people like that love this shit because it divides us and further fragments us and makes us almost a fringe group. If we're united well, if against smart, them, she would know this was going on. I mean, if she was looking in the right places, if she wanted to get millennial voters, she would definitely be paying attention to what TUIT is doing. Yeah, no, I know. But who no, knows well, you would, she no, is. they invited her on several times and she wouldn't come on. So, she went oh on, my god, she that went is Fox so News, stupid. Though, or if she went, you know, or whoever she got interviewed, she got interviewed by like O'Reilly or something. Why would she go on TYT? My goodness, because for every, she would have gotten seen by a couple of million. For every Democrat you, you lose, know, you pick up two moderate Republicans in the suburbs. Adrian, there was a foolproof oh, strategy. Fucking idiot! That, All she had to do was do a couple of like progressive media say a couple of things like universal health care, 15 minimum wage, whatever, two issues far left she, she needed to go on and then pick a progressive as her vice president. And I bet she would have won the election. Oh, absolutely. Call me and everything, you know, Russia and all. There's so many things. And she was, you know, obviously the worst possible candidate, but there's so many things that she could have done to win the election. I mean, yeah. just simply picking I mean, Elizabeth Warren as her vice president probably yeah. would have won her the election. She was looking at Elizabeth Warren, and I don't know why she didn't do that. Everybody's like, oh, Elizabeth Warren will upstage her. So what? So what? Who cares? That that means you're going to get more votes. Also, how weak is your candidate that that was your worry that their VP would upstage them? I mean, Jesus Christ. Doesn't that yeah, mean maybe that you, that sense. the other person should be the candidate and you shouldn't be a fucking candidate if you could be... Yeah, upst- but even so, if it helps you get elected, who gives a yeah, shit that the people really. like her more? You know? It's only going to look good for you. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we got off on a tangent, but that, yeah, I, we, we just, we were talking about media and, and I couldn't let that slide because it's been festering for a long time and I feel like it's it's died down a little bit, but I, I, I just hate to see us so fragmented over something when we should all be focusing on, not to quote Tom Perez, but unity against the establishment. Like, <laughs> like honestly, we, we need to unify against them because... The only way we're going to beat them and, you know, primary them and get rid of them is if we present the unified front. And, you know, like we talk about that with Sam yeah. a lot. We talk about that with Sam a lot and how we need to um, kind of come together around uh, particular candidates in, in areas like progressive candidates so we don't end up splitting votes like like what happened in California and, you know, in their race right. out there. So, I mean, I think that, that this is just further further example of that how we need to just not and i'm not saying we don't hold people accountable obviously we do that but we need to at the end of the day come together and fight against the establishment because if we keep doing this shit they're going to beat us every time and they're going to keep sowing discontent on the on, on the progressive left to cause this because they know they can they can start shit and 
further fragment us. So we can't fall into that trap. Yeah, that's how we keep getting Joe Mansion. Oh God, oh, he's fucking done. He's 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 so done in twenty eighteen. I, so. I I I really think he's he, he's beatable in a primary. And you know, Paul. I felt that way him. about Pete King, but he didn't. Nobody, everybody voted for him. Apparently, I mean, now my town seems to be pissed about him. Yeah, so he had two protests. <laughs> so, so I mean, yeah, I mean that's you know. It's going to be an interesting test in 2018 because uh, we're going to really test out some of these theories about whether or not we can beat these people. But my my thing is, like, people like Nancy Pelosi, you know, she's getting a primary from uh, Steve Jaffe. When you don't support something, 80% of your base and your constituents support, like, she doesn't support universal health care because she's insanely bought off by the healthcare industry. Um, yeah. When you don't support something that 80% of the Democratic base supports, I don't know how you're going to get out of a primary. Like, I, it, it seems crazy to me. And, like, this has never been – I don't think there's ever been this much awareness of how corporatized and sold out all the all the corporate Democrats in Washington are. So I really do think that we could see a lot of victories for progressives this go-around and in 2020 as well. Now that we're aware and that, you know, on Twitter everyone's – being so public about all these people and all the bribes they take and all the way, all the votes that they cast in favor of corporate interests and not in favor of their constituents. So I, I really think we're going to see an interesting turn of events. And I, you know, I, I was talking to Jeff a lot about that. Uh, I interviewed Jeff Jinter, who was the uh, man who confronted Tom McCarthy at that town hall, the one who, you know, uh, the one who he, his wife uh, has cancer and she, you know, and his children have pre-existing conditions, and he confronted uh, Rep. MacArthur, and he had nothing to say. Uh, we need people like him in office. We need real people who have passion and understand what real Americans want and need. We need those people in office. Like we we tried it for too long, right. putting millionaires in office. And, yeah, a lot of people that are going to be running are inexperienced, but you know what? House of Representatives is supposed to be, I know it sounds crazy, but a house of representatives. Like a house of people who represent their actual constituency and the district that they're supposed to be representing. It's not supposed to be, you know, Nancy Pelosi, who's the sixth richest person in California. You think she can represent the poorest people in her district? When's the last time Nancy Pelosi has... Uh, you know, even thought about what something costs. Like I, 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 am sure that hasn't happened in years. So. Oh, you know, it's interesting because rich people tend to be really, really cheap, in my experience. <laughs> that that is no true. joke. I'm that not joking. True. They're terrified of losing their money. You know. Yeah. It's kind of like a whatever. She might even be that way. Well, because know, look at, I mean, look at how she's holding on to this power for nothing. Uh, she does not need this job. No. She and, doesn't need the paycheck. And she's destroying you know? the country and she's a terrible speaker. Like, not not even like Speaker of the House. She's a terrible speaker. Like, you hear her in interviews well, and she's, she's like, ah, wow. Ah, 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 ah. She she's can't, mentally declining. I mean, you can tell. She can't fucking spit it out. Like, she can't, she can't finish no. her sentences. And, and it's, I'm not trying to, like, make fun of her, but, like, you're the Speaker of the House. You're, you're, you're supposed to be this, the leader of the Democrats, which is laughable. And a, you need to speak. Yeah, you need to a, be able to speak and B, have a message that actually resonates with your base. 
I mean, she, you cannot be this clueless and still be leading the Democrats. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, yeah, we always talk about this, how, like, these old Fs need to get out and make room for new people. It's It's really true. I mean, enough is enough. How many... You know, 70 plus people do we really need in there on their, you know, eighth term? No, it's insane. Um, that are super wealthy that got rich doing public service somehow. How are you <laughs> serving the public if you're getting rich? Yeah, no, it makes no sense. And it, and and it's like, how much money is enough for some of these people? Like for yeah. Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and Chuck Schumer and all these people. Like, what... <sighs> You're already wow. like it really can't buy you happiness. No, you know you it's so true. Well, that, I mean that's Trump because... though in a nutshell. Like you know, he's, he has to keep filling that void that he's never going to fill. Uh huh. Because you know, Daddy didn't love him and wouldn't, and probably never said he was proud of him because his dad was a prick too. Um. <laughs> well, and he's got nothing to be proud of. <laughs> no, that's that's also true. But that's also because of the way he was raised. I mean, he was fucking given everything from yeah. the second he was born. But I'm sure that's a large part of his 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 psyche, and it's like n no amount of money is ever going to be enough for them. And no matter how much they fail, and how much they hurt people around them, and hurt like the community at large, it doesn't matter as long as it gets them, you know, another million tax dollars. Break. Yeah, tax break. Yeah. yeah, Paul Ryan is willing to literally turn his back on like super clear. Uh, tampering with a federal investigation if it means he gets a tax break like he's trying so hard to pass this fucking tax cut that he will just literally be like i don't, I don't see i don't know what are you talking about i don't, I don't see anything uh trump i have total confidence in donald trump. It, it's unbelievable <laughs> it's unbelievable it the is, shit it is I, I i really hope he gets primaried he's terrible he is getting primaried i i, I don't remember the, the guy's name or i would mention it but you should look that up he uh he's getting primaried or not primary, he's getting challenged on the left from a real progressive we guy. We should have him on. Yeah, yeah. We should uh, have on. We're going to be reaching you know, out the to guy. All... Yeah, reach out to him, and we should reach out to the guy uh, trying to primary cruise, Beto O'Rourke. He seems really interesting. Yeah, no, and he used to be in a punk rock band, which is yeah. dope as hell, so <laughs> I'd love to have that guy on. Um, That's what though all different types people have done different things that's what the actual founding fathers had now i don't have this like you know what's the word i want to say like they're not i don't know monoliths in my mind you know like they're you know they they're flawed human beings mm -hmm. they were wealthy too you know a lot of them were, were the one percent themselves yeah slave but owners they were at least had other jobs yeah and you know what if for all their flaws and they were very flawed they had a revolutionary understanding of democracy and what uh, the future would hold for the nation. They, they predicted a lot of things, and that's why they built in a system of checks and balances. And they, but and the whole reason that the House of Representatives was formed was to be a representative government, like that, a representative branch of, of the government. I mean, the Senate is almost like the House of Lords, kind of. It was a, it was a compromise yeah. with, the, with the southern states. Which is why every state, no matter how big or small, has two fucking senators, which is stupid as hell, in my opinion. We should get rid, so of, this, get rid of the Senate altogether, as far as I'm concerned, because I don't know why, and, and I love Rhode Island as a state, but I don't know why Rhode Island, with a population of, who knows, two million people, 
a million, whatever it is, the smallest state in the country has the same amount of senators and representation in the Senate as New York or California or Texas for or that California, matter. California, Texas, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, or even Florida. Yeah, like the biggest states in the country. And, and it's just, it, it makes no sense. So that the House. No, and that's another reason why Hillary lost the election is not, not because of senators, but because like representation from, from all these delegates is not even exactly fair either if you think about it. Like all the superdelegates and all that. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why Bernie lost the primary, too, if we're being real. I mean, the superdelegates are, are a total fucking stain on democracy and, and representative democracy. Well, yeah, they were counting them before they even voted. It made no sense. Who no. gets their vote counted before they're it's actually cast? Like, no, what no. the hell is that? It's just total bullshit. <laughs> but no, but it's okay, because they, yeah. they, they don't have any obligation towards uh, impartiality, according to their lawyer. They're allowed to just go in the back room and pick candidates over cigars, like they used to. Yeah. No, I mean, the people who are saying that <laughs> Trump they... getting impeached is going to be terrible for the Democrats. They're right. Oh, yeah. They're so right. They are, because they're so corrupt and hapless that getting rid of him is going to... The, the second they get rid of... The, their whole message right now, the Democrats' whole message right now is, we're not Trump. So when you get rid yeah. of Trump, what's their message going to be? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, great. So you got rid of Trump. So you guys aren't Trump. What are you, though? Do you... Do you What's your position on $15 minimum wage? What's your position on a free college? What's your position on universal health care? Oh, well, you know, tabula rasa and whatever else fucking Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi pull out of their ass. That, by, by the way, that is so transparently a, a fucking talking point that some idiot, out-of-touch idiot came up with that whole well if we were starting from scratch yeah universal health care would be the way to go but since we're never going to pass that we should support what kind of a stupid lot that that makes no sense no and one gives a shit about that logic you know they know it you makes see, no it sense though anything just, for the constitu constituents when when they say it does nothing for them just many, makes people piss no how many times do they have to get booed by other democratic you know by their democratic <laughs> constituents before they realize that Nobody's buying that bullshit anymore. Diane Feinstein, I know, is out there spouting right-wing talking points about healthcare. Oh yep. well, uh, I I I, I uh, hear that what you know I I understand that what Bernie's proposing is a total government takeover of medicine, and I'm just you know if that's what it is, I'm not there yet. No, nobody believes you. You're you're so full of shit. Like you should. Just... We don't need you to be there, but why does she need to be there? Ugh. Shouldn't she be just representing what her constituents want, not what she wants personally? Like, I... what kind of bullshit is that? I'm not there. <laughs> I really wish somebody you would guys want something, but I'm not there. I really wish someone would superimpose like a, a insurance company lobbyist next to her, just making it rain on her as she's saying that, because that's really what that is. That's just her, you know. And and I think like a day later she had, or like a week later she had a fundraiser with the insurance industry. And like it's just they don't give a shit. Oh, they, and I'm sure they gave her a shit ton of money. Oh, of course, she she did great. She totally fuck it. She came up with a great line. According to their, you know, what they want. So, Asshole. I know. Unbelievable. So, and she's getting primaried too. So, you know, <laughs> she, I hope she doesn't, she doesn't get too comfortable because she's probably going to be out of a job soon. And I don't feel bad about that because she's so. a fucking gajillionaire and she's going to be fine. She just won't be able to ruin the country and ruin the Democratic Party anymore. Um, yeah. But, 
and I talked about that a lot with Jeff, like how they, with how they just cannot, they just refuse. They they refuse to to give up. The, they, the jig is up, but they don't realize it yet. And yeah. I and I think they're in for a really rude awakening in 2018. But um, they all need to pull a Harry Reid man and just resign. That was like the most respectable thing Harry Reid did was resign. He's like <laughs> he was another one, you know, an older person who had had several terms, and he he left and he made room for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That was like the most respectable thing he did. You know, and that's the one thing I, well, I you know, that's one of the few things I would actually agree with Trump on is he he said like there he would like to see term limits in the Senate or in Congress, and and I mean I think. <laughs> Yeah. It's a double-edged sword because there are some people in there, like Bernie, who are doing great work and great activism and proposing great bills, but the vast majority of the people that are in there just are so corrupt by the system from being there so long. It's like, I, there should be some kind of a term limit. I, I, I think the, 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 the amount of people we're going to lose is fairly minor compared to the amount of corrupt people we get rid of. So I, I think that might be something that you know, the problem is you have to actually get them to vote on that. And why would they vote to, to stop the gravy train? You know, <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's the interesting thing. Um, and another big problem is a lot of times some of these local senators, especially and, and legislators and stuff, run unopposed. Like my local state senator here in Brooklyn yeah. ran unopposed. Nobody oh. opposed him. He had no challenger. Unbelievable. Well, <laughs> that's so going to change. You think he won? Yeah, so that's gonna, that's going to change, though. I mean, I I think we're at a point where we're not going to stand by and abide by Republicans going unopposed or corporate Democrats going unopposed. Like that's just we're in an era now where we have so much information at our fingertips that whenever anyone makes a vote that's clearly influenced by corporate money and corporate donations and lobbyist donations, we're going to know about it and we're going to make yeah. them remember that come the next election. So. Um, yeah, um, that pretty much does it for today. Uh, definitely join us next week because we'll have Sam back on and we're going to talk about, uh, the names that people are bandying about for 2020 and the people that the media thinks are the front runners for the Democratic oh. Party in 2020. Uh, it, it's pretty astounding how tone deaf they are, but we'll, you know, we'll get into that next week. Uh, assuming Trump doesn't do 10 more things <laughs> that knock that off of the podcast rundown. Uh, so thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. All right. Bye everybody.
Greetings, my name is Samuel Roman. You might have heard of me when I ran for the DNC chair race back in February. And if you've heard of me since February, you know that I have not been idle and that I refuse to stand by and watch this atrocity unfold that's called the Trump administration. Part of my combating against that regime and the fragmentation of the progressive movement and the complete disenfranchisement of our nation in regards to their civic engagement, I established the Our Voice Initiative nonprofit. Because I believe when we work together, when we combine our collective voices, we cannot be ignored. We will be a force to be reckoned with. They want to call us snowflakes. I think people forget that when a bunch of snowflakes come together and roll down a mountainside, that's what's called an avalanche. And that is a veritable force of nature. And that is who we are. We, the people of these United States, are a force to be reckoned with. And our voice is the weapon that we use. Our voice is literally that. Exercising our First Amendment right to free speech, to vote, to protest, to assemble, to stand up against tyranny and fascism. That is why our country was founded. Not to embrace it and not to perpetrate it. So, please, check out OurVoiceInitiative.org. Check out our Indiegogo page by either going to Indiegogo and typing in our voice or going to www.indiegogo.com slash projects slash our dash voice dash democracy. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Voice USA. So please, help us fight back. Help us help you fight back against this corruption. Because together with your voice and my voice, it becomes our collective voice. And that is the first step to victory.